Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. Good morning, church. It is good to be with you. I'm so thankful to be here with you. You know, this is uh, November. This is that we recognize and celebrate Thanksgiving here in the United States. We have an incredible heritage of that. And so I'm just thankful for all of you, thankful for this church, and thankful for what God's doing. And if you're watching online or listening online today, I'm thankful for you as well. You know, yesterday at Serve Day, we had such a great time serving, and, um, and I want to thank you for just investing into the property that God has given to us, Right? I mean, we, we invested this summer, right, to pay for the down payment and get in here and do some things, but we're, we're continuing. This is a continual work of cultivating this thing that God has entrusted into us, and it's, our, it's a responsibility, but it's a privilege also that we would improve it and use it for the glory of God, and so I believe that when people drive by here on 99. I believe that they will discern and sense the love of God here and a spirit of excellence and that the Holy Spirit will draw them here and lift up Jesus in their life. Amen? And so thank you for showing up yesterday. And some, some came early and, and some came late and stayed late and everybody that put pitched in, thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's open our Bibles today to John's Gospel, chapter 1. And then um, also, would you do this for me today? Let's stand up and honor God's word. And uh, we're going to read this from the NIV today. If you have it there in your hand, you can read it right there. Uh, If not, you can read it there on the screen. It says, uh, John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now we're going to jump down to verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As you're seated, high five somebody right now and tell them we're gonna get it right. We're gonna get it right. You might not know what you're talking about right now. What what are we gonna get right? You might not know right this second, but you're gonna get it in just a moment. We're gonna get it right. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we pray right now that you would help us get it right. Our desire is to reflect the grace and the truth of Jesus, the one who came to save us and to set us free. Lord, that in, this is a very divided world that we live in, but God, I pray that we would be a very united church. And that the world might grow darker and darker, Lord, I thank you that you would help the light of your church shine brighter and brighter in the name of Jesus. We pray this in the glorious and matchless and powerful name of Jesus, our Lord. And everybody said amen. Amen. 
as I was preparing this message uh, today, I um, felt like I had more things to say than we had time. <laughs> so we're going to be here for a while. No, I'm teasing. Um, I've decided to break this up into two parts, and so we're we're going to we're going to talk about this today, and then we're going to come to the end of it. And you might feel like it's lacking; it's a little wanting. Like, oh, like this is a like. Can we say some more things? Yes, we will. This is my uh, ploy, and to get you to come back next week. So anyway, come back next week, and I'm already telling you. Like when we stop at the end of this, there's more. So. Um, at the very end of this passage that we just read, what did John say that Jesus was full of? Say it again. Grace, grace and truth. He was full of grace and truth. So if Jesus was full of grace and truth, would it be safe for us to say that we, as his followers, also ought to be full of grace and truth? Right, yes, that's not unreasonable, right? Unfortunately, we don't always get this right, but today I pray that the Holy Spirit would bring us some correction and encouragement, and today we're going to be talking about this, uh, this idea of grace and truth. It's like love and marriage, right? It's like what Sinatra said, you can't have one without the other, or you shouldn't anyway, right? Um, for decades and decades and decades, our country has been known as a Christian nation, right? I mean, God bless America, God bless the USA, from sea to shining sea and all of that, it's wonderful. But now we're living in a time in our nation where under 50% of the population does not identify as Christian any longer. Under 50%, that, that statistic came out, I believe, um, I can't remember if it was just this year or last year, but we're right under that 50% mark, which now does not make us a Christian nation, but it makes us a post-Christian nation, which we've seen that already. Uh, you know, the Europeans have been out in front of us already with, you know, that model. And so we know what that looks like. And what is a post-Christian? Post-Christian is not necessarily someone that is atheist or agnostic. Uh, a post-Christian is someone who has had some experience with Christianity. They've had some experience. Maybe they grew up in the church. Maybe they went to a Christian school even. Maybe they've even been baptized. They've had some kind of exposure to Christianity, but they've chosen to reject it. It's not that they don't know about Jesus. It's that they don't care. It's not that big of a deal in their life. That, In a nutshell, that's post-Christian. We could say a lot more things, but boiling it down. So for a long time, we were considered a Christian nation, but now Christianity has moved from the center to the fringes, and Christianity has been thought of positive in the past. Like, oh, like, that's, that's what, you know, the, the highest people in society, the most well-respected people in society were Christian people. But now, some of that has shifted, and now in, in some circles, in some arenas, in some regions, Christian is thought of as, as a negative thing, even. Today, the term Christian is sometimes misconstrued to a lot of people. That The term even evangelical Christian is now interpreted in mainstream culture to refer to someone who's hateful, who's bigoted, who's judgmental, 
uh, and, and maybe even looked at as like, well, they're a little dangerous, you know. They're, they're a radical. They're an evangelical Christian. So the question that we face is this. How do we faithfully represent Jesus in a post-Christian world? In a post-Christian culture? How do we faithfully represent Jesus? As Jesus' disciples... How do we live in a way that honors God and people in a culture that's becoming increasingly hostile toward Christianity and Christians? Like I said, today we're living in a very divided time. It's divided politically. It's divided uh, racially. It's divided sexually. It's divided socioeconomically. All these different ways. It's even, we're even divided medically. You know, we don't agree on the things in the medical field. And what a divided world needs now more than ever is a united church. Amen? I've said it before and I've said it again. It doesn't matter who's in office. Our mission as the people of God, as the church, as the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth today does not change. It never changes. We are the kingdom bringers. We bring the culture of the kingdom to earth. The kingdom of God is not brought to earth through the White House. It is not brought to earth through the courthouse or the House of Representatives. We are the kingdom bringers. We bring the culture of the kingdom. So how do we accomplish this mission? How are we gonna bring the kingdom of God from heaven to earth? Well, in this passage that we just read earlier, John reveals a key on the way that Jesus did it. John said that Jesus was full of grace and truth, which means we are called to live a life of love through grace and truth. Both grace and truth. Say this with me. Say this right here with me. Let's say it together. We are called to live a life of love through grace and truth. Let's look at that verse one more time, John 1, 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, say it with me again, full of grace and truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. He was full. How many of you know somebody that's full of something? Don't point right now. You don't have to say what they're full of. (laughs) But Jesus was full of grace and truth. That's comforting. That's reassuring. That gives me confidence. That gives me hope. That builds my faith to know that Jesus was full of grace and truth and that I, as his follower, as his disciple, Empowered by the Holy Spirit, I too can be full of grace and truth. You too can be full of grace and truth. I want to show you this. You guys, you know, any, uh, we, get, we have a glass of truth. We have a glass of grace. And Jesus was full of grace and truth. You guys ever seen a glass that's so full of water? that just even a little jiggle right there 
I got water, so I got to move my Bible away. That's why I have this paper towel up here. Protect it from my Bible. Just even just a little jiggle. What do you see? Overflowing of grace and truth. Just a little tap, just a little touch. What spills out of Jesus' life? Grace, yes, but also truth, right? And when, when people, we need to be so full of grace and truth that when people just tap, just come up, just bump us, what overflows? Grace and truth, both. So you might say, well, J.D., that sounds great, but why does it matter that Jesus was full of both of these things, grace and truth. Isn't one of those things sufficient? That's a great question. Here's why. What does grace do? Grace saves. Everybody say that with me. Say grace saves. Grace saves. Yes, that's right. And what does truth do? Well, Jesus said when you experience the truth for yourself, it will set you free. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Somebody's free. Grace saves, truth frees. Let's say it together. Grace saves, truth frees. So if Jesus was full of grace and truth, then that's how it should be for you and me. As his followers, we should also be full of grace and truth. The grace that saves and the truth that frees. This is what the world needs from you and I as followers of Jesus. They need us to be full of grace and truth. Why? Because grace saves and truth frees. The problem is is that we don't always get this right. I know I haven't. I don't always get this right. Let me ask you, you don't have to raise your hand this time because I don't want you to incriminate yourself, all right? But do sometimes, every once in a while, do some Christians confuse you or frustrate you or irritate you? Maybe I'm just the only one. I don't know. But y'all are being awfully quiet. Like I said, you didn't have to raise your hand. Don't incriminate yourself. But why is it sometimes that I'm confused or I'm frustrated or I'm irritated with, a, with people who I'm supposed to, those are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Why is that? You know, and I don't want to say this, not to be so self-righteous. Maybe sometimes I'm the one that's confusing or frustrating or irritating other people, okay? But I think one of the reasons is this. There's this one-lane road. There's a one-lane road, but we have a tendency to want to pull to one side or the other. We have a tendency to like pull over into the truth ditch, and we want to just ride into the truth ditch. Or sometimes we have this tendency to fall over into this ditch and ride in the grace ditch. But Jesus didn't drive in any ditches. He was full of both grace and truth. He didn't get in the ditch on one side or the other. He drove right there in the middle of the road. And so let's talk about the truth ditch for just a second. You know, truth is great. It's powerful. We need it. We have to have it. We can't do without it. But for some of us, if all we ever do is operate in truth and with no grace, have you ever noticed that people like that sometimes can become just mean-spirited. 
oh, it's getting quiet in here. People like that can sometimes become out of touch. People like that can sometimes be judgmental. And I'll just tell them myself right now. The other day, just this, this week, I was walking into this uh, office building, and I'm headed this way, and then coming into the office building from the sidewalk from over here was this other lady, and she was doing something that made me switch into just hardcore judgmental truth mode. And I, it wasn't, she wasn't doing anything illegal. She wasn't doing anything that would send her to hell. But I just went immediately into this like place in my mind. You know how you just like go to places in your mind like this? I saw myself jumping out in front of her and just giving her some truth. Like, sweetheart, let me just tell you right now what you're doing. I'll, hey, I got the truth, and it's going to set you free right now. And I made up in my head, I just, just, I just conjured up this entire narrative about what a terrible person she was, and she probably is a terrorist, and, and she, you know, and I'm just teasing but you know what I'm saying? Like you see, and you immediately like judge that person and make these judgments about them. And then the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and says, uh, how about you pray for that lady? It's like, oh, see, that was grace. See, that was grace. So I, sometimes I even, I, I get it wrong. But the point is, without grace, I, I'm just mean. Without grace, I'm mean. Does that mean that we don't give the truth? It doesn't mean that we don't speak the truth. But I need to be full of grace and truth. When your car is out of alignment and you're driving down the road and you take your hands off the steering wheel, which is not something I recommend you do, whether it's in alignment or not in alignment, unless you have a Tesla and your car's programmed to do that, you take your hands off the steering wheel and if your car is out of alignment, it will pull to either one side of the road or the other. And if you don't correct it, you will end up in a ditch. You will end up in a ditch. And, and I was out of alignment. I was veering into that truth ditch. And how many of you know somebody like that? Maybe, like I said, don't point right now. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're like me, that without correction, without intentionality, without surrendering to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you veer into that truth ditch, right? What I was feeling and thinking was truth, and it was good, but it was without grace immediately. That was the knee-jerk response. But what about grace without truth? What about that? Grace without truth is what some people might refer to as, as hyper-grace. I don't know if you've ever heard that term before. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if he were still alive... He would probably refer to it as like cheap grace. And he says this, cheap grace is a deadly enemy of the church. Actually, I think he said it is the deadly enemy of the church. Cheap grace. It's like this, hey man, God loves everybody, bro. So you don't tell me how to live. I won't tell you how to live. You just do you. I'll do me. It'll be all good. It's cool. It's all great. It'll be all good. That's grace, but that's not truth, right? Which means that grace has actually been 
cheapened. With cheap grace, the forgiveness of sin is treated like paper towels. You know, you keep a roll of paper towels by the sink, right? And uh, you don't really think about it. It's just there until you need it. And you're like, oh, well, I'm just going to go over here. I'm going to rip off a sheet, clean up my mess, and then throw it in the trash. And you don't think about it again until you need it again. That's cheap grace. And that's how sometimes people, you know, think about and approach the idea of the grace of God. The extremes of grace and truth can create two extremely big problems. And this is how sometimes we don't get it right. Problem number one. The first problem is this. Truth without grace leads to either rebellion or it can lead to self-righteousness. Truth without grace can either lead to rebellion or self-righteousness. Let's hit that rebellion thing first. If all we are is just truth, 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 and no understanding, no love, no grace, then people may reject the good truth that we have. And they might rebel against it. Have you ever seen like a hyper-legalistic home? What oftentimes are the children's responses to growing up in an environment like that? I'm not saying every time, but sometimes, oftentimes, I've seen it growing up in a home where there's truth, 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 but no grace. What do the children do? They rebel, they run. Rules without relationship is a recipe for rebellion. I'll say that again. Rules without relationship is a recipe for rebellion. It's truth without grace. And if it doesn't lead to rebellion, then truth without grace leads to self-righteousness. Some people think that they've got a corner on the market of truth, right? And they reek of it. <laughs> and they know it. And they're trying to save everybody with their truth, but all they end up doing is just pushing people away. It's like, hey, either get with the program, either get with the truth program, or like Tom Petty, don't come around here no more, you know? It's like, it's like you either get with this truth that I'm gonna try to you know, give to you because it's gonna set you free, or just get out of here. That's a self-righteous attitude. Jesus was not self-righteous. So truth without grace leads to either rebellion or self-righteousness. The second problem is this. The other problem that occurs is when we have grace with no truth, what does that get us? Grace without truth leads us to either relativism or also self-righteousness. It's interesting how that works. This time I'll touch on that self-righteousness part first. What happens with some people on the truth side of things can also happen to the same thing with on the, on the truth, the hyper-grace people. So they're so full of grace, they live in this copious amounts of grace, and if you um, don't get grace the way that we get grace, then they almost kind of like, well, we can't hang out with you. Like, well, I'm so full of grace, and I'm so forgiving that, you know, I'm above all, I'm above your truth, 
or I'm above your level of grace. And that's, that, it's, it's very contradictory, but I've seen that happen. I've seen that in people's lives and it makes me scratch my head. I was like, oh, wait a second. The way you're behaving is not very graceful even though you say that you get this whole grace thing. And that comes across self-righteous. And it also pushes people away. So that can happen, but there's another thing that can happen is this, this relativism thing. And when, when we have grace without truth, we think because our account has been paid in advance and praise God it has, praise God it has, but because of that, they think that just everything can be had for nothing. Since the cost was infinite, the possibilities of using it and spending it are infinite. It's a cheap grace. It's not costly. Grace without truth means that, that no true repentance is actually required. Nor is it required to actually even have any real desire to be free and delivered from sin. Oh man, we're just walking in, we're just walking in grace, bro. It's all good. My sin's covered by the blood of Jesus. Well, yes, although those things that you say are true, the grace of God does not find a man and leave him where he is. It means, uh, grace without truth means that there's justification, there's the justification of sin without the justification of the sinner. Grace alone does everything so everything can just remain as it was before. No need for sanctification. No need for consecration. Grace without truth allows those of us who say that we follow Jesus to actually not have to follow him. We can live like the rest of the world. We can model ourselves against the world standards. And we don't even need to aspire to live a different life under grace from the life that we had lived under being slaves to sin. And if we go down this path, hardcore, it leads to relativism on one level or another. On one level, you can just, well, we can just do whatever we want, and you're just still good with God, right? Everything's copacetic. Go further down that rabbit hole, and you go all the way down to there's no absolute truth. And so there's levels of this. And, and since there's no absolute truth, then you can't tell me how to live, and God can't even tell me how to live. I'm just going to do what makes me feel good. And so it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. It doesn't really matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anybody. Grace without truth means there's love and acceptance, which sounds great, but then there's no definitive type of standard. So that means, well, you know, grace without truth is why, you know, we can just shack up together and live together without having to get married. So for those of us that were Christians and they went and people that went down this path, these people end up deconstructing their faith. They've left the church and now they're post-Christian. And I pray that they wake up and they come home sooner rather than later. But inside the church, the contrast is not quite as defined, but there's this faint odor of stinky theology in the air. Have you ever walked into your house and you smell something that shouldn't be there. And you don't even really know what it is quite at first. You just know something's not 
right. Maybe the dog didn't get taken outside in time. You're like, where's that coming from? Or maybe, you know, someone left dirty dishes in the dishwasher for a couple of days and nobody ran the dishwasher. I know some of you have large families that would never happen because you just have to wash the dishes every day in order to have more dishes, right? But there's like, what is that smell? Where's that coming from? Maybe your kid has a dirty diaper, you know, and you're like, I, I think I know what that is. Where is that coming from, you know? Or maybe someone was just sautéing Brussels sprouts because that smells just as bad as anything <laughs> in the entire world. Although, I love sautéed Brussels sprouts. Like, to per, like when they're just fried to, to perfection and with, you know, they got the balsamic vinegar on it and it's, oh, it's so good. But they smell terrible. You got you to gotta get some air freshener, right? And instead of going to the source... Instead of going and finding, well, what's the source of this? Why does this smell? We just go, oh, we'll just cover this up. And now you have this odor of, what is that stinky thing? And then you've got this also this other like flowery, or my favorite is the orange citrus magic. This came straight from my bathroom this morning. Odor eliminator. So, you, you know, you're, you're smelling something unpleasant, but instead of addressing the source of the odor, you've decided, well, I'm just going to light a candle. I'll light, you know, I've got a scented candle over here. We're going to light that. Or we're going to spray some air freshener. This is what we have sometimes in the church. This whole scenario is called, get yourself a little bit of Jesus. You just get a little Jesus, you know. Jesus in a can. Just get yourself a little. Just a small dose here. Just a small dose there. Just enough to make you kind of think that that thing doesn't stink anymore. Just enough to make you feel you know, better about it. I, I, I know something's stinky, but you know what? I'm just going to get myself a little bit of Jesus. Oh, that's, it smells really good right here. You're scrolling through social media. And you stop and you watch your favorite preacher and it's like a 15 second clip. And you're like, oh, that's good. <laughs> or if you're feeling really on it that day, you watch the whole two minute video. Woo. Oh, got me some Jesus. That just filled up my spiritual tank. And if it was really good and it wasn't offensive to you and it wasn't offensive to people that you work with, you might actually tap and give that a thumbs up or a heart. Or if you're really feeling it that day, you leave something in the comment like, mm, amen, or praise hands, you know, praying hands or praise hands emoji. Maybe you read the verse of the day on the Bible app, right? You know, you get yourself a little verse. Oh, that's good. Not too much, though. Not enough to allow the Word of God to actually transform you and change you and renew your mind and renew your thinking, but just enough for you to feel good about it. Just get yourself a little bit of Jesus. Verse of the day keeps the devil away. Maybe you come to church 
every now and then. And as long as, you know, you, you come as long as there's nothing else going on, right? Because, I mean, you got life to live and you got things to do. And, and you come, but you don't serve and you're not part of a life group and you don't give. But if you do give, maybe you're not just, you're not generous. Maybe I'm really feeling the Holy Spirit today. Here's $5. You know, you're, out, you're just here to get yourself a little Jesus. Just enough to make you feel better about yourself, but not enough to change you. That's a grace without truth. Grace without truth is the preaching of forgiveness, but without requiring any real repentance. It's belonging to a church, but not, um, not being open for any church discipline. It's, it's kind of like friends with benefits, right? I mean, you want all the perks, everything on your terms, but I don't need to have any real relationship. I don't need any real discipleship. It's grace without actually having to take up your cross every day. Jesus was full of grace and truth. Therefore, we as followers of Christ, we're called to live in love with grace and truth. What does grace do? Grace saves. What does truth do? Truth frees. And I just want to make it clear that in no way, shape, or form are we talking about like watering down truth or watering down grace. Well, it's like, what, you know, it's not a question of like, what are the, what are the right percentages? No. What are, what's the right ratio? Is it two parts grace to one part truth? Or what, what's the deal? No. Jesus came and he was full of grace and truth. He was full. 100% grace and 100% truth. How can we comprehend it? How can we accomplish it? How can we do it? We're called to it, but I'm telling you, you cannot do it without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Without Jesus coming and revealing to you and you having experience yourself with that 100% grace and 100% truth, you've got to first have that experience yourself, and then you've got to be led by the Holy Spirit to walk in the grace and the truth. If you try to do this on your own, good luck, because you're going to need it. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, mm, we can be like Jesus. We need to be wholly surrendered to the leadership of Jesus if we want to be like him, be full of grace and truth. The good news is we can be. Maybe you're not full of these attributes of God today but you can be. That's what the Holy Spirit's work of sanctification is all about. It's actually about the Holy Spirit taking your life and transforming you and molding you into the image of Christ. I saw a tweet a couple of weeks ago almost from a really well-known pastor. He's a blue checkmark guy. This is what he said. 
He said, following Jesus doesn't change you into something else. It reveals who you've been all along. What would it be like to see the you that God sees? Now that sounds really nice and flowery and it feels like a warm blanket, but that's not good theology. For the benefit of the doubt, I I believe I understand the sentiment of what he was talking about, referring to our identity, but these words of seeing like, Like these words, following Jesus doesn't change you into something else. That's not biblical. That's not good theology. It's self-centered and not Jesus-centered. It's grace without truth. What would have been a better tweet would have been if he said, following Jesus absolutely changes you into something else. It transforms you into who God intended for you to be all along. What would it be like to be like Jesus? Jesus-centered, full of grace and truth. And here's the deal. Again, without the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us, forget about it. But when we say yes to the leadership and the invitations of the Holy Spirit, we can be like Jesus, full of grace and full of truth. Amen? Would you stand with me? As you're standing, grab your communion cup that's there right under your seat. Man, I keep wiggling this table and grace and truth just keeps spilling out. (laughs) Praise God for it. Yeah, go ahead and start peeling that thing back. Two layers. Top layer is the bread, the bottom layer is the juice. It sounds very spiritual, isn't it? It's just real life. Today, as we come to the table, as we observe the broken body of Christ for us and observe the shed blood of Christ, for the, which is the cup of our salvation, let's do it in remembrance that he was full of grace and truth and that he made the sacrifice and that he rose from the dead so that you and I also too could be full of grace and truth. What a celebration this is. That we are not slaves to sin, that we are not dead, but we have been risen with Christ. Amen? Amen? This is such a privilege. Some of you are like, this is a privilege? No. Okay, what this represents is a privilege. The broken body of Christ. The shed blood of Christ. Guys, this is what this whole thing is about. That our destiny has been changed. And that we can be like Jesus. So, would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now and we thank you. The Father of lights. Father of glory, true and holy God, there is none like you. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus, who is full of grace and full of truth, to come and save us and set us free.
That's what we desire for ourselves. We know that that spiritual reality already exists. And God, we pray that day by day as we submit ourselves to the sanctification process of the Holy Spirit, that we continue to make steps and be molded into the image of Christ. And we too will be full of grace and truth, 100%. And we celebrate with this broken body. We celebrate with this shed blood. Jesus, you are full of grace and full of truth. That you've saved us and you've set us free. God, that you didn't just come give us truth that we could never live up to, but you gave us the grace so that we could, so that we could, we could be who you've called us to be and do what you've called us to do. And God, I thank you that you just didn't give us the, the grace and you just left us to, our, to ruin ourselves, <laughs> but you gave us truth to be like you. We remember this, we celebrate this. We're so glad we take these elements gladly. In the name of Jesus, you may take of the bread and the cup. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.